This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to Episode 13 of the North American Outdoors Podcast. My name is Heidi Rayo, coming to you from the great state of Texas. The topic for today is societal perceptions of kids, firearms, and hunting. No matter which side you're on, there are few topics that stir emotion as much as the discussion of kids and firearms and kids and hunting. Societal Perceptions of Kids and Firearms The First Myth Kids Should Never Be Allowed to Handle a Gun True or False? The answer is false. Firearm education removes the curiosity, increases respect, and decreases gun accidents. Organized or formal training is great, but firearm training can be as simple as education by parents, grandparents, or guardians. When kids are raised around firearms, there is a higher level of awareness, understanding, familiarity with firearms, and respect. Kids that are brought up in a home where mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, or other family members take the time to teach them about firearms are at an advantage. These youth are being raised with the understanding of how to be safe around firearms. One of the most effective ways to teach your kids about firearms is by setting a good example for them to follow. Kids will emulate their parents and will unconsciously model their behavior. Teach children how to treat firearms with respect and demonstrate what that means each and every time you handle a firearm. Some of these behaviors include the number one and cardinal rule of gun safety, always point your gun in a safe direction. You want to make sure it is always unloaded until ready to use and always keeping your finger off the trigger until ready to shoot. 
A healthy respect for a gun is also the awareness of the potential for injury or even death because of careless handling or losing respect for the firearm. Children who are raised in a household without firearms are at a disadvantage because there is a good chance that one day, the probability is quite high, they will come in contact with or be in proximity of a firearm when a responsible adult is not present. Federal statistics show that at least 50% of households in the United States own at least one firearm. Even if mom, dad, or another guardian does not believe in owning or possessing a firearm, it is the responsible thing to do to allow those children to learn about guns in a safe environment. Seek the advice of a certified trainer or a firearms instructor to learn the basics of safe gun handling. Attend the class with your child so that you too can learn the proper terminology of the equipment and reduce the mystery, confusion, and even fear of handling firearms. It is always best to gain this knowledge from someone who is qualified and looked up to in the firearms community. Think of a time when you forbid your child to do, have, or touch something. The moment you left the room, the temptation increased for your child to do, have, or touch, whatever that prohibited object is. When a parent adds mystery to something, curiosity naturally escalates. It is human nature to explore and investigate what he or she is not supposed to. If a child is told, no more candy, or do not turn on this certain channel, or do not touch that hot stove, or do not cross this boundary when you are outside playing, curiosity oftentimes gets the best of our youngsters. The same thing happens if guns become a hands-off object. By sheltering kids from guns, their knowledge about guns then comes from the two most erratic sources— television, video games, and electronics. If everything they learn about guns is wrong and incorrect, when given the opportunity to come in contact with a firearm, this will be the behavior the youngster will demonstrate. Allow your child to get the proper training and education at a young age so he or she will learn safety, responsibility, and respect when handling a firearm. Just as any youngster should be taught to treat a firearm as though it's loaded, every parent should never doubt their child's level of curiosity will diminish. Children must understand they should never touch a firearm without a responsible adult present. Myth number two, firearms increase violence in kids. The answer to this is false. Anyone who grew up in a home with guns knows that firearms teach discipline, respect, confidence, and self-control. Children who are taught about firearms and the appropriate use of them by a family member have a much lower rate of delinquent behavior than children in homes without firearms. Family bonds are very tight in families that shoot and hunt together. The FBI reports that the nation's total violent crime rate hit an all-time high in 1991. After that, it declined 18 out of the next 20 years, totaling 49% to a 41-year low in 2011. 
That included a 52% decrease in the nation's murder rate to a 48-year low, nearly the lowest point in U.S. history. As crime rates decline, gun ownership is on the rise. There are an estimated 80 to 90 million gun owners. Homicide rates have been declining for decades, except for those inner-city teens and young adults. These homicide rates have more to do with sociological issues, not gun ownership. No amount of regulation will make criminals abide by any current or future gun laws. Kids see guns on television, in the movies, and on their video games and social media channels. This is entertainment. As a parent, it is your job to make sure that your child understands the difference between fictitious and real-life situations. Never assume that your child can distinguish between the two. Bring them to a gun range and set up a watermelon or cantaloupe downrange to shoot at, if allowed by that facility. Demonstrate what a real gun can do to a real object and why it is critical they never shoot at anything they do not intend to destroy. When kids are raised, seeing, handling, and understanding what a real firearm can do to a target, their level of respect for guns will naturally increase. It becomes obvious to the child that guns are not toys and should never be played with. Myth number three. Myth number three. Laws should protect kids by restricting gun ownership. This is false. Restricting gun ownership by means of stricter gun laws does not result in a reduction in gun violence. In fact, the opposite proves to be true. For example, an upsurge of concealed carry permits in the United States actually reduces incidents of gun crime. Existing gun laws impact only those who are willing to comply. Children who are introduced to guns know that it is their constitutional right. The Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution is the right to keep and bear arms. Most gun owners can explain to someone the right of the people to bear arms and why that right exists to protect life and property. Citizens have the right to be in control of their own safety. We all have a responsibility for our own personal safety and the safety of our communities. Children who are raised to understand and appreciate the proper way to handle and use a firearm correctly equate guns with freedom and a sense of security, not violence. Myth number four. Firearms are responsible for most accidental deaths of kids. This is false. Approximately 1% of all unintentional deaths of children in the United States are from firearms. The Centers for Disease Control, or CDC, categorizes children between the ages of 0 to 14. As the number of gun ownership is increasing, the number of firearms-related injuries and death is declining. In 2010, the CDC reported 62 unintentional firearms deaths in children 14 and under. By comparison, there were almost double the number of children who died by poisoning, about 12 times the amount of children who died from drowning, and nearly 24 times the number of children who died from various types of transportation. 
The fifth myth is hunting is not safe. This is false. Do not let anyone tell you otherwise or try to twist factual data. Hunting with firearms is one of the safest sports and is only getting safer thanks to the efforts of instructors across the nation helping our young hunters and those new to the sport learn about safe and responsible behaviors. According to the National Shooting Sports Foundation, hunting with firearms has an injury rate of 0.05%, which equates to about one injury per 2,000 participants. The only two recreational activities that come out safer than hunting were camping, which has an injury rate of 0.01%, and billiards, which has an injury rate of 0.02%. Soccer has an injury rate of 1.68%, or one injury per 80 participants. Tackle football tops the list of sports with an injury rate of 5.27%, or one injury per 19 participants. Myth number six, hunting causes extinction of animals and harms wildlife populations. This is false. No North American species has gone extinct as a consequence of regulated hunting practices. As pioneers made their way to the West in the mid-1800s, North America's wildlife populations shrunk due to market hunting with no regard for size or bag limits and habitat loss. During this time, many species were on the border of extinction. Animals such as the Canada goose, turkey, elk, bison, bear, wood duck, and white-tailed deer all nearly vanished nationwide. The sport hunters quickly realized they needed to establish size and bag limits to protect this rapidly disappearing wildlife they cared so much about, and they also needed to act quickly to safeguard their habits. Sport hunters were among the first to fight for wildlife protection and continue to be some of today's most important conservation leaders. Sport hunters support state and federal conservation agencies conducting research to identify, locate, and estimate wildlife populations. These hunters recognize and follow limits to hunting seasons to just a few weeks or months each year. These seasons limit the number of animals they can legally kill, oftentimes restricting or preventing a female of a certain species to be taken. Hunting regulations developed with scientific and biological research help maintain wildlife populations so they remain healthy and the numbers plentiful. In fact, current regulations actually help prevent the decline of animal populations. Myth number seven, hunters are spending our tax dollars on their sport. False. Hunters pay their own way and beyond. From the influence of organized sportsmen, state wildlife agencies, and the firearms and ammunition industries, Congress extended the life of an existing 10% federal excise tax on ammunition and firearms used for sport hunting and earmarked the proceeds to be distributed to the states for wildlife conservation and restoration. The result was named the Federal Aid and Wildlife Restoration Act, 
better known as the Pittman-Robertson Act, after its primary sponsors, Senator Key Pittman of Nevada and Representative A. Willis Robertson of Virginia. This was signed into law by President Franklin D. Roosevelt on September 2, 1937. Today, every time a firearm, ammunition, or archery equipment is purchased, there is a federal excise tax included in the price of the equipment, and a portion of this money goes directly into the Wildlife Restoration Fund. It generates upwards of 800 to 900 million dollars annually. This money can only be used for the benefit of wildlife, biological studies, improving wildlife habitat, restoration acts, technical guidance for landowners, purchasing land, hunter education training, and communication efforts related to wildlife restoration. When you combine funding from this excise tax along with state license and tag sales sportsmen pay each year, it makes up the majority of funding for wildlife across all of North America. Although these Pittman-Robertson dollars are derived exclusively from firearms, ammunition, and archery equipment, its paybacks touch a majority of the population who do not hunt or has never even purchased sporting arms or ammunition. Those who enjoy such activities as bird watching, nature journaling, painting and sketching, outdoor photography, and any other outdoor and wildlife-related activity you can think of can directly be connected back to a hunter. All the lands acquired with Pittman-Robertson monies are managed for wildlife and for other public recreation. Wildlife management areas acquired by the states and wetland areas support extensive use by campers, hikers, kayakers, anglers, and day users. Fortunately, the Pittman-Robertson Act does not limit the use of these funds only to game animals, but permits any species of wild bird or mammal to reap these benefits. Thanks to the determination of hunters so many years ago, numerous species have restored their populations and have extended their ranges far beyond what they were in the 1900s. Species like the turkey, white-tailed deer, pronghorn antelope, beaver, desert bighorn sheep, and several non-game species have flourished, and it is all paid for by the hunter who cares about the welfare of not only game animals, but all wild creatures. Myth number eight, hunting is cruel and unethical. False. Hunters are the best conservationists and some of the most ethical and decent individuals. Hunters have a profound appreciation for the animal in which they hunt, a commitment to their well-being, and a concern for the habitat in which they live in. Hunters spend their entire lives learning about the animal's biology and environment. Hunters know what these animals eat and where they bed down. Hunters spend abundant time learning which game trails are most frequently used. Hunters have a deep love and respect for the wildlife around them and study, read, and watch wildlife year-round. Most wild animals are not killed by hunters. 
Animals usually die a violent and unpleasant death due to encroaching civilization. Nationwide, we are losing approximately 1,500 acres per day due to development. These acres are habitat for all wild creatures, both game and non-game alike. When wildlife is displaced, oftentimes they are killed by vehicles, other wildlife predators, exposure to the environment, and overpopulation, which lead to diseases and starvation. A well-placed shot by a skilled marksman is a much more humane cause of death than natural causes experienced by wildlife. Hunters pride themselves with a high ethical standard. An ethical hunter is one who does the right thing even when no one is watching. Ethical behavior is not mandated by laws or regulations, rather deals with fairness, respect, and responsibility. For example, it is perfectly legal to shoot into a flock of geese flying 95 yards above the ground, but that is not ethical. The unwritten law of the hunter is to treat the outdoors, the activities, ourselves, and each other with respect. Ethical hunters recognize the privilege bestowed upon us to hunt. With this privilege comes responsibilities such as learning about the animal we are pursuing, our physical and equipment limitations, continually looking for training and additional education, practicing shot placement, distance judging, and knowing our effective range to ensure a quick and clean kill. Those who are unethical and break the laws are not considered hunters. They are poachers, illegally taking the game and fish resources. The future of hunting belongs to those who accept full responsibility for their actions and respect themselves, other hunters, and the wildlife resource. Thanks to ethical hunters, 79% of the public approves of hunting. This is the highest level of support for hunting since 1995, according to data compiled by Responsive Management. Myth number nine, hunting is only a male sport. This is absolutely false. Women have always been involved in hunting and providing for their families. While men went off to war or were absent from the homestead, women knew how to survive. Putting food on the table was a responsibility of both men and women to make sure their family stayed alive. Even when men were out hunting, women had to protect their home, livestock, and children. Women possessed firearms and knew how to use them. As we became more of an urban society, men began working in factories and women generally stayed home to take care of the kids. Hunting became a male-dominated recreational activity. As the popularity of hunting increased, it became more of a family activity. Women are now rediscovering the sport of hunting. There are now hunting clubs and groups created exclusively for the outdoor woman, for the outdoor woman who enjoys nature and the sport of hunting. Manufacturers have taken notice and are now creating hunting clothes, boots, gear, and guns exclusively for women. One can walk into any major outdoor store, hunting store, or chain big box store and discover a section in the hunting department just for women. 
women do not have to dress in oversized men's clothing or shoot a bulky and uncomfortable gun anymore. A lady can now wear clothing that was designed just for her body and shoot a gun made to fit her frame. Choosing a hunting lease or a shooting destination is no longer exclusively the man's decision. Women are playing a much larger part in these choices and are including their families. Many of today's hunters participate in the sport as a family bonding experience and are making new traditions for their kids to embrace and pass down to future generations. Oftentimes, it is the mother who seeks the hunting opportunity for the kids and is solely responsible for the plans to make it happen. Young kids today are looking up to women as much as they looked up to men for their hunting mentors. My theory is when you hook the lady or the mom, you hook the entire family. Myth number 10, young kids are not mature enough to hunt animals. False. Not too long ago, we were considered a rural and agricultural country. Prior to World War II, the majority of our population lived in small towns and on farms. It is common in the rural setting for young kids to see animals raised on the farm, then butchered to put meat on their dinner table. Before this generation, kids knew where their food came from. As mentioned earlier, kids today have no idea where meat comes from. They are clueless that their chicken nuggets came from live chickens and hamburgers came from live cows. In past generations, kids were forced to mature quickly to help their families survive. Even though we were once a rural country, our kids are a product of today's society. Today's society tends to steer the youth away from firearms. The decision to introduce a child to hunting depends upon the maturity of that child. There are some 8-year-old kids who are much more mature than some 17-year-olds. Knowing the personality and development of your child will determine when the perfect age is to introduce them to hunting. It is up to the parent to decide when their child is mature enough to understand the circle of life and participate in the sport of hunting. One of the best ways to spend quality time with your children is to get them outdoors. Unplug your kids and take them away from their gaming systems, computers, tablets, and smartphones. Teach them how to be resourceful and self-sufficient through hunting. Show them where their food comes from and teach them how to take it from the field, prepare it, and put it on the dinner table. Show them how to safely handle a firearm. Explain how firearms work and practice shooting as often as you can. Shooting builds confidence and improves a kid's self-image. The strong family bond that hunting provides is well worth the investment of time and resources. Ultimately, every parent wants quality time as a family, building strong traditions that will last a lifetime. There is no better classroom than the outdoors roaming the woods and waters, creating memories that will last a lifetime. This is Heidi Rayo, and you have heard another North American Outdoors podcast. For more information, visit NorthAmericanOutdoors.org and follow us on Instagram at North American Outdoors. Have a great day.